In fact, look at your neighbor and just help me to preach as we get this party started. Tell them, neighbor, the pastor likes us to talk to each other. Come on. (laughs) Tell them, you need to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Man, maybe some of you can uh, identify with me on this. I'm going to just get, uh, is it okay if I just keep it 100 real quick? Okay, because I like to keep it 100. I'm a part of a trend where pastors are honest. And, uh, you know, there was a time, man, uh, you know, when I was on my way home from school, I was in, I think, elementary school, and I really needed to use the bathroom. Anybody ever really needed to use the bathroom really, really badly? Okay, y'all don't want to be real with me this morning. You're looking like, did he really just say that? Yes, I did, because I'm human. And so the fact is that I really needed to use the bathroom so bad. Mans were, like, going to go on themselves. Like, it was bad. And so I'm on the TTC, and yo, honestly, there was like 5,000 stops before my house. And I don't know if you guys know how this goes, man. It's like, yo, and you know how the bus has to stop even if nobody's getting off or whatever? Sometimes the guy just decides to stop at every single stop. And mans are just standing there like, oh, gosh. And then every bump, it was just, oh. And if you don't know how to speak in tongues, in those moments, you're just like, you're like, I don't know what in the world is going to happen, Lord, please. You're praying. If you don't have a prayer life, you're praying right there, child. You're putting a tune behind it like, God, I come to you in the name of... How many? Any, anybody? Okay. It's, it was just so bad. I had what we call bubble gut. I don't know what it was. I don't know. The, 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 uh, the, the expiration date might have been passed or something on the food. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But I needed to use the bathroom really bad. And it got to the place because of the level of urgency. Because of the level of urgency... I was like, you know what, man, I need to get off this bus because I said to myself, I'm like, you know what, man, it is more the the urgency that I'm feeling to need to go to the bathroom is a whole. I need to do whatever it takes to be able to relieve myself. And so, you know, don't laugh at the pastor. You might go to the hot place for that. No, I'm just joking. But I literally jump off the bus. I think it was like Don Mills and Finch or something. And I seen a bush, fam. And I was like, yo, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, I, I just don't. Uh. And so I ended up, I ran to the bush. And I tried to act like I was just like a bush inspector or something. You know those people that be coming and just spraying pesticides and stuff? And so I'm just looking, I'm just like, oh, you know. And I'm thinking like if somebody walked by, I'd just be like, hello, good to see you today. You know, okay. Just, we're, just, we're just inspecting the grass, you know. That's just checking it for pesticides and stuff. And, you know, I looked absolutely crazy. But guess what? I felt so much relief. Can I just be real this morning? My wife's looking at me like, how are you telling this story? I'm going to need to check, my, check your stories before you preach. But I just wanted you to know because you've been in that place. Don't look at me in that tone of voice where you needed to go so bad. It might not have been number two. It might have been number one. But you had to relieve yourself. And I was there and I'm there, man. And I just felt so good. Even though I look crazy. Even though I was inconvenienced, man. I feel the preach creeping up on me early. Even though I had to jump off the bus and pay extra bus fare to jump back on and get back home. I had to get to the place where because of the urgency. Somebody say urgency. When nature calls. Come on. I had to do whatever it took. I decided to do whatever it took to get to the place of relief. 
And the reason I'm telling you this story is because here in the pe- passage today, we find an individual and we find a story of someone here who had to do whatever it took in order to have an encounter with Jesus. Come on. And it wasn't just the individual that experienced the miracle, but it was the people. It was the people who brought him. Come on. Somebody say who brought him. The people who brought him to Jesus. And so, you know, the fact is here, the story opens up. If you go with me to the text in Luke chapter 5, we find the story opens up that Jesus is surrounded by Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now, these are people historically who were going out of their way to try to disprove that Jesus was the Messiah. They were trying to go out of their way to, uh, to prove that he was not the Messiah, that he was not the anointed Christ, and that he was not the anointed king. And so, you know, till so they were haters of him, and they would not hang around necessarily to learn from him, that what they, would ha- they would hang around him to try and disprove him. You know, I just want to just give this as a side note. This one is for free. Uh, God does, oftentimes, it does his best work in the sight of haters. You know, some of y'all are, are around and you're wondering, you're saying, you know, why is it that just so many of these people, just sharks are just swarming around. Sometimes God does his best work. I hear Psalm 23 verse 5 declare and say, thou preparest a table before me. Away from my enemies in the presence of my enemies. Come on. God often does his best work in the presence of haters. But as we move on, we find that this is the backdrop for the story uh, that's getting ready to happen that takes us to the title, whatever it takes. Man, I feel I feel this thing. And so moving on, look at this. Look at this. We are in a position where uh, the Bible says after this takes place in verse 18 of Luke 5. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd they went up on the roof somebody say the roof they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus and i want you to see this here this is something that's unconventional this is something that's out of the ordinary they decided uh, that because this man their friend their friend they wanted him to have an encounter with jesus they they brought him they invited him they talked about it but when they got him there there was no room that's a good problem to have y'all because a place was packed with people uh, both haters and people who were there to encounter christ but the place was so packed that they had to do something unconventional. They didn't turn around and say, you know what? There's no room. There's no room for you here. There's no way. You know what? We need to turn around and go back because uh, they were not, they were not, they were not turned away by inconvenience. And so they decided that they were going to go out on a limb and do something that was unconventional. They decided that the urgency of their friend needing to get delivered from being paralyzed was more important than their appearance looking crazy, jumping up on the ceiling, busting a hole in the roof. Man, who'd I come to preach to this morning? Because some of us, the reason why we are blocked from experiencing the miraculous in our lives is because we care more about our appearance than our deliverance. Man, I came to work today. I wonder if there's five or six people in this place that understand that urgency, come on, has to outwear appearance. 
And you got to get to the place, even as it pertains, as we're talking about going and fishing and living on mission for Christ, you got to get to the place where your inconvenience doesn't stop you from living on mission. Come on. You got to get to the place where you understand and you feel the sense of urgency in the world. When you see all of the craziness, how many of you have some friends that are dealing with crazy stuff? Come on. How many of you have family members that are dealing with crazy stuff? Come on. How many of you know people that need an encounter with Christ? And the fact is that oftentimes, even though we know this, we care about how we look more than how it is that we are, than the urgency that's upon us. And so point number one, everybody say number one, effective ministry values urgency over appearance. Say that with me. Say effective ministry values urgency over appearance. In other words, I'm more interested in seeing God's power move in the lives of my friends and in the lives of my family and even in my life. That even if I got to climb to a roof, come on, even if it costs me some extra dollars, even if I got to get a ladder and look crazy in front of people. Man, I'm so glad that Jesus was willing to look crazy for me. Is there anybody that's thankful that knows that it was an unconventional manner in which Jesus came and paid for our sins? That the God of the world would decide instead of leaving us stranded that he would put on flesh and come to the earth. Come on church and die for our sins to get beaten and bruised and a crown of 72 thorns pressed in his head and pierced in his heart sack to where blood and water was gushing out. Come on in an unconventional manner. He was willing to go out of his way because the urgency of sin and the payment and the wages of sin which is death was was more to Jesus than the way that he looked man what an example what a drop the mic moment that God was more interested in your salvation than his appearance what king would do that what king do you know a king that's interested more in your well-being than his appearance than his pomp and his circumstance do you know a king that would be more interested but you serve a god who is willing that even though he sat high that he was willing to come low and to die for your sins come on how dare we not go out and be individuals that live on mission and inconvenience ourselves so that people in our lives who are in bound situations can have an encounter with jesus Jesus. So not only this, look, as we move on in the text, it says going, they'd had no way to find, uh, no way to get him up, to get him to Christ. So they go up on the roof and they bust a hole in this roof. Man, I wonder what y'all would do if somebody was at your house and Jesus was at your house and somebody just broke a hole open in the roof. We would have called the CIA, we would have called the FBI, or we would have just knocked straight, mama would have said, knock you out, you know. But the fact is, he's the, he don't even care about any of that. He just says, I want, I need my friend to get to Jesus. I need my friend. I'm concerned. This is the thing that I love. It wasn't even like, wait, I love the story with the woman at the well. I love the story with the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. And the woman at the well was John chapter 4. And I love the story of the woman who, who pushes through the crowd because she needs a touch from Jesus. Because, and she ends up touching the hem of his garment. And she's uh, made whole from a blood issue that she had and she was dealing with for years and years on end but I especially love this story because it's not about a person going to get a touch from Jesus it's about people who care about a loved one to 
you care about a friend enough that I'm sure they had issues too. I'm sure that they had problems. But they said, I'm going to put my problems on the side and I'm going to use my faith. Come on, somebody. In this moment, not to benefit myself, but I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to use my prayers. I'm going to use my resources. I'm going to use my looks. I'm going to lose everything that I have in my power to make sure that my friends and my family are okay. And you know what I love? Look at the text. The text says, look at what the text says, because the Bible says, finding no way to bring him in. They go up on the roof. They bust it down. And then verse 20 says, and when he saw their faith. Somebody say their faith. When he saw their faith. It wasn't even the faith of the paralytic. Oh, that could pretty man. I might just have to. When he saw their faith. Then the text says, look, look, look. Then the text says, man, your sins are forgiven. As a result of their faith on behalf of their friend. Come on. They experienced that their friend experienced the miraculous power of God. Who am I preaching to this morning? Can I give you point number two? If, I, if you're ready, say I'm ready. Point number two. Effective ministry uses faith to benefit others. Effective ministry, talking about people who go fish, go fish, use faith to benefit others. I love it. He values, Jesus values, and he honors your faith displayed on behalf of your friends. I mean, are you, when you get ready to pray, some of us, we just go to God with our laundry list and it's all about us. Come on. We just get on our knees and all we pray, God, I need a boo, Lord. I'm tired of being single. Lord, I need, God, y'all don't want to be real. God, oh Jesus, I just wish that I could have a better job, Jesus. I'm so tired of these people. They be cussing at work and they cry. I just, uh, Lord, just elevate me. Oh, Lord, just take me higher. Who wants to be real with me? And the fact is we just get on our knees and we just talk about all of this stuff and we focus on ourselves. But I wonder if there's anybody that knows that oftentimes while you're serving that God will bless your socks off simultaneously. Sometimes your blessing is locked up in your service. Come on. It's locked up in when you use your faith. Come on. To bless somebody else. I wonder if I have two or three witnesses in here that have ever been to a place where while you've been blessing somebody else, that God turns around and blesses you in the process. Some of us, we've been waiting for our stuff to get together before it is that we go out and minister and love on others. But I'm here to tell you, baby, that showed up all the way to Malvern in the middle of Scarborough to help five people to understand that we We've got to be to the place where we use our faith on behalf of others, knowing that as we're blessing them, that God will always bless us. And I love what Charles Spurgeon says, one of the greatest uh, preachers of our time. They call him the Prince of Preachers. Uh, And he made this declaration. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. Come on. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees imploring them to stay if he if uh if hell be filled let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for 
If people decide and ultimately get to hell, let it not be because Christians didn't go out of our way to love on them. Let it not be because Christians were judgmental and condemnative instead of showing the same love that was shown to us. Come on, church. If, if somebody decides that they don't want to spend eternity with Jesus, let it not be because we were individuals that turned up our nose in pride and forgot about where Jesus brought us from. I wonder if it's a hundred people in this place that can get excited about the fact and give God praise because when you were a sinner that Jesus didn't leave you stranded come on and so we got to be to the place where we get off of our high horse and not just use our faith to benefit us but to be a blessing to other people when he saw their faith then he says your sins are forgiven you I love it man and yes we I'm not saying we don't have to have our own faith But he was paralyzed and his friends cared enough about him to bring him to Jesus. Are you with me? And not only this, so talking about this method, again, it was unconventional. He was in a position where he went up on a roof and busted a hole in the roof, fam, and decided to let this man down. And ultimately, he ended up in front of Jesus. And, you know, I want you to understand that this is the thing because some people would look and say, this is unconventional. So why would you do this? God couldn't be working because he had to bust through the roof. If he didn't come through the front door, then, you know, come on, somebody. And number, so can I give you number three? Effective ministry values the Messiah over the method. Effective ministry values the Messiah over the method. In other words, the method of how he got to Jesus did not matter. Come on, somebody. The most important deal was that he got to the Messiah. You know, we live in a day and age where a lot of, you know, it's always church folk that are the most criticized, uh, uh, that exercise the most criticism. Come on, somebody. That's why I told you that Jesus often does his best work in the, in the sight of haters because the Pharisees would look and say, what in the world? Who is it? Notice they were con- Notice that they were uh, that they were coming against his method and the way in which that he healed the man. They were coming against it. They're like, this method is out of the ordinary. They're like, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Even the whole scene was just out of order because you know there are a lot of people that get mad and they say, why are you having church in a movie theater? That's not true church unconventional method oh i saw somebody drinking coffee in there they must be going to hell do you know what they play on that movie screen you know what at the end of the day you know exactly what i said these people they said i just want to get this friend to jesus and so whatever it takes come on say whatever it takes if I got to have a church, come on, in the backside of a mountain, come on, church, in a barnyard, it don't matter. At the end of the day, if that's where, if Jesus is there, the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst. And you know what? I, if any barrier I can take down, come on, for people to be able to access Christ, if I got to do it, they'll show up to a movie theater, but they might not show up to your grandmama's church. And so if we got to come into a movie theater where they showed up to watch uh, superhero movies or things of this nature and they show up without barrier, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Come on, somebody. We're going to have church in a movie theater. We're not waiting for you to show up to us. We're going to come to where you are. I love Jesus because that's what he did. He decided that instead of saying, you know what, y'all need to come hither, I'm going to come down to you. 
And so they say, you know what? We are bringing you to Jesus. We are not we are we are not putting ourselves in a position where we care more about the method. The method doesn't matter. Even some people get mad because we uh, because we're celebrating or we're in a we're calling and talking about Easter. You know what? At the end of the day, we understand. We know what's happening. We understand the historicity of things, and that's not our focus. But I'm telling you, if an Easter egg is gonna get somebody to show up on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, and give me the opportunity to preach the gospel, I'm gonna have an Easter egg. Come on, somebody. See, somebody don't want to be my friend anymore, but that's okay. It don't matter to me if they, if it was if it's an Easter bunny that's gonna get them to show up. They come looking for the Easter bunny and can't bury eggs and find out about a savior who went into the grave, but three days later got up from the grave with all power. Some people hate rap music and they say, oh, you know that rap, that hippity hop, that hippity hop, that booger dum dum. My dad would say, you know, what is that hippity hop music? I don't care about the method as long as it's about the Messiah. Whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's willing to bust down walls. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's willing to look crazy. Because I love my loved ones. And I want to see them experience Christ. It's not all this narcissistic Christianity. All about me, myself, and I. Oh, what are they going to sing today? Is it my favorite song? Oh, I don't want to go to church because of who's preaching. Who's preaching today? Who's singing today? Who's doing this today or doing that? Like... You showed up to church like this is Walmart. Like you showed up like the drive-thru like this is Burger King. You didn't show up for me to tell you, can I take your order, sir? No. I wonder if there's anybody that showed up and didn't come with a Burger King mentality. But like you just want to have it your way. But you showed up saying, how can I be on mission for Jesus? How can I get people to encounter this life-changing Savior? This Savior that because he lives, I can face tomorrow ah my god i feel power i'm not up here shouting because of houses and cars because i'd rather have jesus than silver or gold i'd rather have him than have riches untold and there's family members in my life and friends in my life that i want to encounter jesus and i'm going to do everything it takes by his grace to reach him for his glory this to the place where you understand that he you know Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19 through 23 write it down and check it out because Paul makes it clear that he is willing to do everything he can he says to the Jew I'm willing to become a Jew and act like a Jew to the Greek I'm willing to become a Greek to the uh, to the outman as my mom would call him I'm willing to become like an outman But at the end of the day, he says that I'm willing to do everything I can without compromising God's word to save some. We understand that you're not going to be able to reach everybody. But it's not even, everybody can't do everything. But I wonder if there's anyone that's going to do everything that you can to reach those who God would allow you to reach. And so we are in this position now where this is clear, where this is clear. And then lastly, somebody say lastly. Look at this. So the issue becomes, and this is where the issue is. The issue is that there are a lot of people who idolize methods. And so this is my last point. Last point. Effective ministry doesn't practice methodology idolatry. Effective ministry does not practice methodology idolatry. So... 
what I mean by this, obviously, uh, you can go out and you can be an individual that does the work of the ministry. You can do everything that you can to reach people. But when that method becomes an idol, that's when you've put it above the Messiah. Now, this would be the example to make it practical. If they said, okay, this this time that there was an occurrence and an, an, an evidence of the Holy Spirit, uh, we went upon a roof and busted a hole in the ceiling and lowered down, lowered down this guy and he encountered Jesus. So now every time, in order for people to experience Christ, we have to bust a hole in the ceiling and they have to be lowered down. That is what a lot of people do with methods. And that's why there are a lot of people that still do things the same way that they've been doing it for the past hundred years and they don't reevaluate it. Come on, somebody. And really and truly, the only way you should be doing what you do is if people are being reached for Jesus. But we should never look at our method and condemn other people because they don't do it like us. It's just always about the master. And you have seeped into worshiping a method when you have put the method above the Messiah. And that's a scary place to be. I love it because, you know, we find, we find uh, that in action, you'll find a story of an Ethiopian eunuch. And while he's there, he has an encounter with, uh, with Philip. Everybody say Philip. The Bible says that an angel told Philip to go and catch himself, uh, to go a certain way. And then the Spirit of God uh, directs him and lines him up with this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. And when he gets in, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading about the gospel, but doesn't understand what he's reading. And so in that synchronous moment, we find that uh, it's like a Kairos time where it's like, just things aligned and God made it happen that he is, he is there and he is, read, he is reading about the gospel and Philip shows up to be able to explain it to him. And so we find here in this moment that, you know, that he has, he ends up having an aha moment. That the Ethiopian eunuch has an aha moment in that moment because Philip was willing at that moment to follow the word of an angel and then to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and jump up in some guy's chariot. Imagine driving down the street and, and you're just driving, you're just going your merry way, you know, trying to bim home quick to go and pick up your kids from school. And imagine just going and somebody just pulls up beside you and they're just like, yo, pull over, pull over. How many of y'all would pull over? Like, yo. Pull over, pull over. You know you wouldn't pull over. But we find a scenario where something like this happens. And the reason why, there's just something about that moment that the Holy Spirit was present in it. And so being relevant, being, being uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in, a, in every situation and season allows us to create aha moments for people. You're not going to create aha moments for people using methods that are above the Messiah. But when you walk in step with the Messiah and with the Spirit as Philip did, it positions you to be able to create aha moments for people where they come to encounter Christ just like the fact that he ends up going and getting baptized. How about the fact, and there's so many other examples I could give you uh, where God moves unconventionally or where he moves one way in one place and then he moves another way in another place. And essentially all that I'm saying is not that we throw out traditions. 
Not being relevant doesn't mean that we're called to dishonor or dismiss tradition. It just means that we value gospel efficacy over ministry methodology. In other words, I'm more interested in seeing the gospel work and impact lives. And so I'm willing to do whatever is necessary, whatever it takes to see that happen in step with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I value that more than just what grandmama did 100 years ago. Are you following me this morning? So I wonder, man, if there's anybody that wants to do, is willing to do whatever it takes. I'm telling you that there are people in our city, that there are people around our, our nation. There are people in the nations of the world. That's why we're not waiting until we become a quote unquote big church to start making a difference. I believe as Jesus declared and he worked with just 12 individuals and invested in them for three years. And now we years and thousands of years later are still holding to the belief in Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead because some Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to love on a cousin fisherman named Peter and a tax collector named Matthew come on somebody and a doctor named Luke who am I talking to and an action man named Mark I wonder if there's anybody in here that understands the importance of us doing whatever it takes even with a Judas in your midst even Judas had a seat at the table Because Jesus was willing to do whatever it took. Who am I talking to this morning? So when I think about urgency. As I bring this down to a close. I'll never forget when I was. My wife and I, we were pastoring a church uh, a very long time ago. And I'm acting like I'm 50 or something. (laughs) Started pastoring when I was 20. And I think this happened when I was 21. I'm 33 now. So it was long ago for me. And I'll never forget, there was an individual, we, we sensed that God had led us to plant that church in that college town. It was a college church that uh, we had planted. We were girlfriend and boyfriend at the time. And we planted uh, this ministry and God was doing some things. This is before the church in Michigan that's going right now still, you know. And in this moment, I remember, never forget, there was a guy named Tony that came. And we just sensed such an urgency on our heart. We just sensed such an urgency, like we had to. We had to do this ministry. And even though there was opposition, we felt like we had to do this ministry. Even though people thought we were crazy. Some, oh, you crazy young folks don't know nothing. We had to do it. We, because there was an urgency. And we, we opened this church in the back room upstairs of a grocery store. But we had to do it. It was upstairs. It was on the roof. But we had to do it. Because there was the sense of urgency that people needed to encounter Christ. And Tony, I'll never forget, Tony came to church. And I remember him, he had a smile. He was kind of a business-like type dude. And Tony, you know, I, I'll never forget, he, he didn't know the Lord. And, you know, I preached the gospel the same way that I've been doing. You know, and you hear me do it. I, I, I shared with Tony, and I'll never forget, Tony made the decision. To give his life to Christ. To respond to the gospel. And I was so excited about it. I still remember people's names and and all of that over the years. Because every number is a name. And every name is a story. And is precious in the sight of the Lord. And I'll never forget. After Tony makes this decision. I remember we went out. You know we weren't having service at this time. And my wife and I we were at a concert. We celebrated with Tony. And we were so excited about it. Tony we. You know while I'm there my phone uh, rung. 
But I ignored it because we were in this concert. It was actually a Marvin Sapp concert. And once the concert was done, I went out and I listened to this call. Turns out they told me that Tony was traveling back from Chicago on his way back into town to where our church was. And he was at a stop sign and somebody did not stop at the stop sign. Somebody was driving crazy. I think they were driving like 90 miles an hour, something crazy like that. Goes through the stop sign and smashes his car to bits. And he's killed on the spot. Horrible experience. I'll ne- I can still right now feel the terrible pain and the, the, the heartbreak that I experienced in that my friend, somebody that I knew that had just come to Christ, had made this decision. And, you know, this young life was taken away. But you know what? Joy entered my heart in knowing that before Tony had that experience, come on somebody, before he lost his life, that he had decided to begin a relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit with the God who changes destinies in eternity. And so he might have died on this side, but he got up in the presence of the Lord. Because we sense the urgency to plant that church, to go up on a roof in a grocery store. Come on, somebody. And create an unconventional place for someone like Tony to come and experience Christ. And so you don't know what's happening in your life. Who are the Tonys in your life? Who, where is their urgency in your life? Where are there people who need to encounter Christ in your life? Who have you been holding back on because of how you look? Or because how, what people are going to say about you? One invite can change somebody's destiny. And so I encourage you today. I don't know who you are or where you're at. I encourage you to be to a place where you take this mandate seriously, where you take this which I've said seriously to where you're willing to do everything you can to be to a place where you live on Christ's mission, going and fishing, taking the gospel, the good news about Jesus and his love to everyone who will hear it. Who's with me this morning?